Welcome to the Transform Podcast. My name is Andrew Farhat. I am the lead pastor of St. John's Church and School in Denver, Colorado, right across the street from Wash Park. And in this podcast, what we do is we consider what it looks like to follow Jesus. We consider what it looks like uh, to be committed to a Christ-centered worldview and operate with that as our lifestyle. This podcast is for you if you are seeking what that might look like or if you have already committed your life to Jesus Christ. And then whenever you want to start, you can go. Welcome to the Transform Podcast. I'm Andrew Farhad. I'm here with an awesome guest, PJ Arsvald. Hey, Andrew. How's it going today? Doing well. PJ is the pastor of Renewal Church, our Renewal campus here in Denver, in the highlands of Denver. I hear that's a pretty cool neighborhood. Yeah, it's really nice. I encourage anyone to swing by. Lots of good restaurants, lots of cool stuff to see. Uh, it's pretty buzzing on like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. So do your, do your friends that came out of seminary kind of get jealous that you were just given this awesome house with redone hardwood floors and you can walk to all these like cool restaurants with your wife whenever you want? Um, I don't know about that. I would say we are very grateful. We have a really good setup and we are very blessed uh, by what the church has provided us. And I think my friends are generally happy where we're there at too. That's true. It is a parsonage. So. Yes. Well, yeah. I love I love the parsonage. We we're gonna have a century party here in a couple of years. So there we go, century party uh, for those bungalows, those yeah. bungalows in the Highlands. Oh yeah, very good, very good. Well, um, so welcome again to the Transform Podcast. If you do like what you're listening to today, I want to encourage you to subscribe and follow. If there's a friend that you think could be blessed by what we're talking about, we want to invite you to share it with someone. Um, and the the reason for that is we have a deep passion, both PJ and myself, to see lives be transformed by the grace of Jesus Christ. We believe that he is son of God, that he is the king of kings. And as we go into this Advent season and celebrate Christmas, we can't wait to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Yeah. And I'll jump in on that too, Andrew. I think uh, we're in a world where sometimes the church, um, for a variety of reasons, is want to stir up controversy. We, we sometimes are very quiet on certain topics. Um, but the problem is all of us are constantly hearing messages from the movies we watch, from the books we read, from the people we talk to. And so hopefully, and I think you've done a good job with your podcast of creating a space where we can approach topics that are real, that people are experiencing, and hopefully apply a Christian, a Christ-like, a biblical understanding of how we might go about navigating those things as part of a broader conversation. Um, but I think that's crucial, not just to let the world kind of dictate what we think. Thank you, PJ. And... PJ also has a video series called What About That? And so he hits different topics just with the solo monologue. If you are interested, you could see his his handsome face on YouTube whenever you want to, you know, click on a topic. Turn your screen off for that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So here's our question for today. And I'm just going to frame the question in this fashion. What about friends? And why is that an issue? And here's why I think it's an issue, like perhaps never before. I feel like we are uh, a very, very busy culture. And with a busy culture that's like waking up early, um, getting to uh, getting back home uh, late in the day. I mean, when you like I remember growing up, people used to say nine to five, like who do you know that works a nine to five? <laughs> like who, like if I came in at nine, that, that's sleeping in nowadays, right? Yeah. 
So like people wake up at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., get going, working hard, usually have two working parents these days. Uh, so wife is typically exhausted. And then uh, she is, you know, a, a lot of the times, not all the time, of course, but thinking about preparing dinner. Uh, man, you don't have a lot of prep time for that. So like you are just busy. I mean, we talk a lot about in our church, in urban setting here in Denver, um, life groups, it's hard to meet on a weeknight, you know? So a lot of the young family, quote unquote, life groups uh, meet on Sunday nights. And the reason why we do that is because it's a dead night. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But weeknights can be tough. Um, and so in addition, I think what this creates is fatigue. So we get people fatigue, we get work fatigue, we get children fatigue. And we're going to talk about singleness too. So don't worry if you're single, we're going to come to uh, that context in just a moment. Um, but I think that people are tired. So who do I want to make time for? Are they going to be draining to me or are they going to be encouraging to me? Do I have the bandwidth for a friendship? Yeah. I think that is a, that I think that's a, how a lot of people think. Yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, just generally we feel over overstressed, overbooked, overworked. And um, usually what ends up happening is we don't really prioritize things. Things just get thrown on us or we just kind of take in whatever seems to be presented in front of us. And then things like friendship squeeze into the cracks if there is a crack or if we can make it work. Um, but often we don't think of that up front. And so for many people, I think you don't spend much time with friends. A lot of us, you know, you, you go to work. If you have kids, you maybe do stuff with that, maybe your spouse. Um, and then it feels like the week's booked up and you can go weeks, even months without seeing a friend, um, talking to them much. Um, and so it is a real issue um, in today's world because um, not that uh, the world was perfect before, but we're just so hyper. We saturate every second of our day with something and we don't spend much time thinking about, all right, how should I spend this time? Absolutely. And PJ, could you talk a little bit about singleness and friendship? for our listeners who are single? Yeah, well, I think friendship is important for everybody. I think it's, again, when uh, Adam was created in the garden and God said, it is not right that man should be alone. Um, there was, it's part of the institution of marriage when he makes Eve, but it's also just a, a general truth about humanity. Nobody was meant to be by themselves. Nobody was meant to be isolated. Um, our country, this is, I won't go too far in this tangent, but it was kind of built on this like social contract theory, right? Of like the natural man is by himself and gives up some of his rights in order for, society and protection. Um, but there's no person who's ever been born in a situation where they're alive by themselves. Um, everyone is born to parents in a community, so on. And so we are made for connection with others. And it's true of people who are married, people who are dating, but and, and people who are single. Um, and sometimes as a church even or as a society, we can hold up romance and love and marriage so much that we neglect to talk about the importance of just having good friends. And for those who um, for whatever reason, God has not called them um, to marriage, has not, um, maybe they haven't found somebody, maybe they're waiting. Um, it's important that they still have good friends, um, that they're not alone. Um, again, true of married people too, but especially for single people, you're not meant to be by yourself. And so um, it's important that we talk about having connections outside of just you. And the church likes to talk a lot about marriage and family, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I, I, I for, for real, when I was in St. Louis, I remember seeing a giant billboard off one of the interstates. It said, um, blah, 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 church, we're family friendly. Now, what that tells me if I'm a single person is, oh, that's not a church for me. That church is geared towards people with two and a half kids at home, maybe one and a half. I don't know what the demographics are now, but 
Um, if I'm single, that's that's not my church. Absolutely. And then there was a ministry, I think, that really got popular in the 90s called Focus on the Family. Have you heard of that I one? I think it's still going strong. It's, down, yeah. it's based down in the Springs. Down in Colorado Springs. Yeah. It's an hour south of where we're at. Um, so there's a lot of emphasis on family in the church, and that's positive. But we have yeah. to make sure that we are also talking to single people, too, because it's like the whole culture could be geared towards, if you're single, promoting your loneliness, um, being alone. But yeah. like you said, we are all made for relationships. Uh, the Trinity is Father, Son, and Spirit. And so three persons coexisting in the one Godhead. And so they are in community with each other. They love each other. Um, and we'll get back to that. And so so just diving right in then to friendship and going off of that context that we are in, I just want to quote from Proverbs 17, verse 17. The book of Proverbs has a lot of great truisms and wisdom for friendships. Um, and here's one, of the, here's one of my favorites. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I love that because I know, you know, we need people in this life that have our backs. Yeah. That are there for us. They're going to stick cl- they're going to stick close to us. They're going to be there for us. Because, you know, life in this world's not easy. There's going to be things that go wrong. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be frequent sicknesses. Um, we know nothing about that, right PJ? Uh, you have two kids and I have four, so we're doomed. Um, <laughs> and so there there's just stuff that happens. There's betrayal from others. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know about you, man, but I want to surround myself with people who got my back. Yeah. I think that's, again, we're, it's, it's crucial. It's how we were designed is to have people who can support us. Um, we all have weaknesses. We all have shortcomings. We all have, um, even like our strengths are meant to be shared. Like you have not been given anything that wasn't given to you by God to bless other people with. And so, um, it's crucial that we have people. Loyalty is sadly, I think, very underappreciated these days. It's um, what that actually means. Uh, is kind of, I don't know, not up for debate, but people don't value loyalty the same way as before. And part of that can be true because loyalty has been skewed to the point of I'm going to stand behind somebody even when they're clearly doing something wrong and I'm going to defend them and excuse them. Um, when true loyalty should be, a, hey, if you're in the wrong, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to help correct you, but I'm still going to stand by you. I'm not going to desert you. Mm-hmm. Now we've kind of overcorrected to as soon as, you know, if Andrew's in a scandal, I got to get out of here because I don't want my reputation to be damaged um, rather than standing by him. So um, I love that proverb. And the proverbs are, are filled with just great wisdom, especially about friendship, but uh, all sorts of topics about um, here's some good, good wisdom from God about how to live. And um, it's good to have people who were there behind your back. Absolutely. And so I would also say this. Like, I think we're in a world where it's like, do I want to take initiative and text and say, hey, you want to go do something? Do you want to get together? Um, I know a lot of men that are not initiators. No. (laughs) (laughs) So they're not the social coordinator. Their wives are usually the social coordinator. Um, So it's difficult in the world we live in today to take initiative because you're busy, you're tired. But then also there's that thought of like, you don't want to be that guy that always wants to do something either. And, you know, it's interesting. Proverbs actually has something to say about that. It says, you know, like if you're always showing up at your neighbor's house all of the time, your neighbor might 
kind of get irritated that Euro is coming over so yeah. often. So I think that there's a little bit of that in our culture today that we're worried about being that neighbor. Sure. Um, however, my goodness, if you're listening, we're on the opposite side of the spectrum of that proverb. It's okay to initiate. It's okay to text. It's okay to give somebody a phone call and to say hello. It doesn't have to be this thing that's like, oh no, I'm going to be that guy that always wants to do something that's looking for the, the social gathering. No, we are all made for relationships. And through that process, you might be surprised at the kind of friend that you will discover. Um, and I would say too, and it could be that there are others that you may not have as much chemistry with or whatever for a friendship. And maybe you figure that out and uh, they're not reciprocating, but it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't have to be seen as rejection. Yeah. That's the fear. I think we're afraid of rejection. Um, but you know what? We're all navigating who we're going to be friends with. Uh, friendships are important. I think, uh, a very wise man told me once, Andrew, pray for it and seek it. And God wants to give you something good here. Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I totally want to echo everything you said about um, kind of our fear of initiation. I think because it is a rejection. Like there's um, something that like it stings. And that's part of the with any relationship. When you put yourself out there, when you care about somebody, you're opening your heart to be hurt in a way. And so sometimes when it's like, hey, do you want to do something? And you get that no or you get the feeling like, oh, I'm just a nuisance to somebody. Um, that's where you can read them. If they, they clearly don't want to hang out, don't bug them too much. Um, but we have kind of lost a little bit of that just um, desire to, to start something, make time. Um, think of even like how many times we used to, as a society, different times and places, you used to swing by the proverb. It implies that you're not texting your friend, right? You, you have to go to their house. Hey, do you want to hang out? Um, we had a friend who dropped off something a couple months ago, and she was trying to just like really briefly like, hey, drop it off her house. And just kind of the spur of the moment, um, my wife or I just said, hey, do you want to stick around for lunch? And she did. And we was hanging out for like an hour and it was awesome. And it's like that was a, our relationship was an hour better because we just thought like, hey, let's not just kind of hit and run. Let's just take the impromptu, break out of my routine. Um, we don't ring doorbells anymore. We don't, you know, there's so many things. And I'm not saying you need to go do this or it'll be all old fashioned, but um, we're just so scared of kind of intruding on people's space. Um, everything's kind of more distant and spaced out. Um, for Halloween this year, it was fascinating. There was kids who came down our neighborhood who would only go up to houses that had the bowl of candy outside. They would not ring on a doorbell um, because there's something, the way that we function nowadays where we, we don't want that unfiltered interaction unless it's really planned out. I need to text you, make sure you're absolutely okay. Sometimes you, uh, people come to your house and they won't ring your doorbell or knock. They'll just text you ham outside. There's just so much kind of fear about that. And, um, and so just kind of overcoming that and saying, no, this, like you said, I love what the wisdom you got. Pray for this, seek this, and a good thing will come out of it. Like friendship is good and I'm going to put myself out there for this good thing. And sometimes it's going to feel rejected. Sometimes it might not go how I want it to go, but um, it is a good thing that God desires for me. And so I'm willing to make myself a little uncomfortable in pursuit of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I want to just say a word, like if you're listening and you're not a follower of Christ, I want to share this, that, you know, statistics actually show that there's great joy in being around a community of people with a common faith. And so as we, as we kind of transition now to really talk about the importance of Christian community 
and having fellowship, experiencing life with other believers, I want to just emphasize that there is great joy in having that common faith because there can be mutual prayer for each other. There can be a mutual partnership, having a common mission uh, together. And it's a really powerful thing we can have as the body of Christ. In the New Testament, there are 22 places where it says to love one another. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do that if you're living the soul, the Lone Ranger life. Yeah. The Lone Ranger can't fulfill all of those New Testament one another's. And so uh, now I, I'm not just trying to lay on you a commandment there, but I am trying to encourage you with when you experience that love in the body of Christ and you have that community, it's awesome. There's nothing like it. Yeah. Well, it's, um, we talked about family earlier and I think it should be clear that, you know, from the creation account, like the family is kind of the building block of kind of all of creation, um, in a variety of ways. But then in Jesus, family is redefined where obviously Andrew, you're still a husband to Daisy. You're still a father of four. And yet at the same time, um, the classic case when the disciples come to Jesus and like, Hey, your mother and your brother are looking, brothers are looking for you. And he says, these are my mother, my brothers, whoever does the word of God. And so the family's now been transformed. So this is the great news too for if you're single, um, you are part of a family. And these people are now your brothers and sisters. These people now have Mm -hmm. this bond and this connection. And like you talked about a common faith, a common goal. There's something um, that really brings people together. And I I see this a lot in men, but I think it's true of all people that when you're working towards something together, um, guys aren't always great at just sitting and talking about feelings, but when they're working towards a task with one another, it's amazing how close they can grow um, to to one another and the acts of service, the love, the sacrifice that can happen. Um, Talk to anyone who's worked on a big project together, who's served in the military together, athletes who um, play together. Um, There's something about that common goal. We're working towards something together that really, um, it's, it's hard to replicate outside of just doing it. And as you're working towards that common goal, iron sharpens iron. And if you don't have those kinds of relationships, you can't be sharpened. You're kind of in your own world, in your own head. And, um, and maybe you, you don't know that you need those people to sharpen you. Yeah. And I want to just share a couple of proverbs because earlier you talked about um, speaking into each other's lives and being, being corrected. Yeah. And uh, Proverbs 27 verse 9 says, Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Yeah. So it's a really cool proverb, that last one, because it's like, all right, you know, your your enemy might pretend, you know, like uh, everything's okay and like they like you and that they're they're going to be there for you. Um, However, what this proverb saying is I'd rather have somebody that's really telling me where my blind spots are rather mm-hmm. than just lying to me about it. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I think, uh, it makes me think of, um, Psalm 141 says something similar where it says the rebukes of a, a righteous man are like oil on my head. Let not my head refuse it. And we don't pour oil on head today, but this was a sign of anointing, a sign of honor, a sign of, um, purity and beauty. And so the idea that even a rebuke, which is, Hey, you did this wrong. You got to do better from a righteous, good man is, is something good for me. And in this prayer, like, God, don't let me reject that. Let me actually receive it. Um, and so I, I love what you just pointed out in those Proverbs that um, even counsel, even correction from 
good friends from trusted godly people um, is actually a, a really great thing. Now, sometimes it still stings. And so sometimes mm-hmm. we can avoid those topics. Um, but they're actually for our blessing and our betterment. Um, you think of um, how many of the great people in our world um, probably received a ton of rebuke, a ton of correction, but they received it and were refined by it. Iron sharpens iron, like you said. Um, and often, especially with guys, we can be super shallow in our conversations. Um, we don't want to disrupt things. We're not comfortable with those things. And again, part of that's because guys, I don't think, are always meant just like sit and talk. We kind of need to be doing something. But there was a really uh, sad SNL skit um, shortly after the Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey, called Straight Male Friend. And it was like an infomercial advertising, hey, you could have the straight male friend who will never have any drama. You cannot talk to him for months and he won't care. And you never have to worry about him like bringing up any sensitive topics. He's just going to want to eat wings and watch football and that's it. So it's really casual. And uh, it's sad because of how true it is. And so um, that's why in the Christian community, it's so crucial that we're willing to talk about these important things and to sharpen one another and be willing to receive that rebuke to grow. Um, but in a way that's loving. Again, I don't, I don't diss somebody. Or I don't, I don't want to diss anyone, but I don't um, point something out on somebody just so I can feel better than them. I point it out because it's like, hey, I care about you and I see that this is hurting your work, hurting your family, hurting um, the way you spend your time, you're hurting your relationship with God. And so I'm going to call it out out of love. And then hopefully we can do that mutually and receive that. Yeah. When I reflect on what you're saying, I can't help but think about all of the people in the past 20 years that have spoken into my life to correct me at different points. And as they have spoken into my life to protect me uh, and care for me, Um, I think if it wasn't for them, I would not be where I am today. Um, I would not have grown. I would not have flourished in the fashion that I have if it weren't for them. Yeah. Um, And part of that, too, I I like what you just pointed out because I totally feel the same way. Um, But it also then comes in a relationship of love and trust. So if that person was only in your life to say, hey, you suck at this, you're bad at this, it would be different than somebody who you know has your back. We talked about that earlier who then says, hey, Andrew, I care about you, and so I feel like you need to make this correction. Um, and so that's why, again, it's, we're not just <laughs> iron-stabbing one another, but we're <coughs> loving one another's in adjustment commands, and then within that context of love, um, sharpening one another. Absolutely. So I hope that by the grace of God, we've inspired you to desire to have community in your life and how important that is. Um, if you are a follower of Christ, we want to invite you to make community with other believers a priority. Um, Now, a second uh, way that we can think about friendships too, and it depends on where you're at in your walk with the Lord or uh, your preparedness for this, but you can enter into discipling relationships with other people too. Um, And so oftentimes this can happen naturally if you're a life group leader and you have people in your life group. Um, This also can happen in one-on-one uh, friendships where you say, hey, let's read this book together. Or another thing that we've been doing also is uh, we've been going down to the public table house to have a beer and then talk about some different Christian books with some men in our church. Um, so that's a great opportunity to have discipling relationships and get to know some other men. Um, and so those can be really cool because you all are going in the same direction um, and you're and it gives you some purpose and intentionality because you're kind of uh, you're kind of mentoring other people. Yeah, well, I think that's a really good point. And part of the again, this part of being human is that we're constantly helping form other people and also 
being formed by others. And so I think it can be helpful sometimes to look at people who uh, we want to walk after, um, follow, learn from. Again, and it, it's still a friendship, but also a friendship where you're um, being discipled and formed. Um, I think of uh, Paul saying, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Like he's setting himself up as an example, saying, hey, I'm following Christ. I'm the, he, he's clear in his writings. He's not perfect. He's not Christ. Um, but he's saying, hey, do what I'm doing. And so I think it can be helpful sometimes to look at um, who are people in the Christian community who are Christians that I want to be more like, that I want to learn from. Um, again, we sometimes pump originality so much that we just say, be you. But sometimes it's good to look at somebody who's doing things right and say, I want to be like them too. Not that I want to completely lose myself in it, but um, there are qualities in that person that I want to um, be more like. We just uh, finished a series not too long ago on First John and a little bit of Third John. And part of what John writes in Third John is um, imitate what's good. You know, if you see good in people, imitate that, learn from that. And so, uh, yeah, I think like you pointed out great uh, with Jesus' own disciples who he calls friends. Um, clearly they're, they're friends, and yet Jesus is the teacher and they're the disciples. And so it's okay to have those friendships that also have that dynamic, again, because it's this mutual understanding of, hey, we're, we're growing, we're learning. And um, those who are typically older and wiser and further in their walk with Christ are going to have a lot to share with those like myself who have a lot to learn, a lot to go. Um, and so we want to be looking for people that we can learn from. I love what you said about, you know, like, we need to find people that we want to imitate because you're right. We do a lot of conversation about being you and do you, but man, the do you culture has gotten out of control, man. Like I think like we're yeah. going a little bit, I think we're going a little insane in that area. And I'm not saying to uh, lose your personality. You're no, everyone has a personality that's God given. And so you want to know who, what gifts God's given to you in that direction. Uh, but with that said, yeah, like you, you nailed it when you talked about healthy role models, people you do look up to. Um, I think that as I, I was sharing in my sermon this past Sunday, that there were men along the way who showed me how to be a Christian, showed me how to be a man, showed me how to be a husband showed me how to be a pastor and I want to be like them mm-hmm. in their character and see striving together after good character, man, that's an awesome thing. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And just think about like, I mean, first off, if, if you were to go up to somebody you respect and say, Hey, I respect you and I'd like to learn from you. Could we like, imagine what that means for that person. Like that is one of the highest compliments you could pay them. And again, you're approaching them cause you want to grow and learn. Um, and think too, you know, how many of our, um, Christian members, uh, part of the body of Christ who are retired, who are, what do I do right now? Like they have so much wisdom, so much life experience, so much, um, just walking with Jesus that they can share with people. Um, if they're asked, if people are willing to step forward and say, Hey, I'd like to learn from you. Um, and how many young people could really benefit from that? Um, yeah, absolutely. All right. So there's friendship as fellowship, experiencing life with other believers. There's friendship for discipleship where you are uh, mentoring or training someone to be a follower of Christ. But then there's friendships with non-believers too. And uh, the Bible talks about that as kind of reaching out with the love of Jesus to others. Um, And so if you're listening and you are a Christian, uh, there is some intentionality around that to love your neighbor. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening and you're not a Christian yet, uh, I think that as followers of Christ, we believe we've been so touched by something mm-hmm. great 
that we can't help but not let you know about it. Yeah. So there is that dimension. And so as we talk about friendships with people who uh, are not believers, we think it's it can be very healthy. Uh, you can you know kind of learn uh, so that you don't get sheltered as a Christian. It's good to hear di- how people think um, and differing viewpoints, um, etc. Um, but then I think that there needs to be a, a conversation too, uh, depending on um, the kind of character and lifestyle of your friends, and and this you know I'm going to say that this way just to be really well rounded. This could be people who profess to be believers or not. If they have some major sin in their lives that's influencing you and bringing you down, you have to consider how you're being influenced. So there's that old statement, oh, well, Jesus hung out with prostitutes, so you should too. Um, Well, I'm not Jesus, so I'm not going to the prostitute to be a friend with her, um, you know, and so like have some wisdom about who you're hanging out with, who's your core group, how they're impacting you. Um, certainly there can be Christians who are hypocrites. So, uh, that's why I want to be well-rounded and you have to have discernment. Um, but the, the key here is the word influence. You want, um, believers to rub off you and off on you in a positive fashion but then also there is a quote from 1 Corinthians 15 that I think you have yeah. uh, about how hanging out with the wrong crowd isn't going to help. Yeah, well, that's one of the, I like how you centered in an influence because it's foolish to think that anyone you spend time with is not going to influence you in some way. And sometimes it, <laughs> for yeah. some of us, we hang out with people that just make us angry sometimes. But the voices we hear, the people we spend time with are going to shape us to a certain extent, which is why it's so crucial to have such a strong Christian community. Um, so we can still have friends outside of the church, and yet we're still anchored in people who are going to center us back on life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and what that means for us, and uh, the life laid out for that in, in the scriptures and so on. Because Paul, at one point, he's um, writing to the Corinthian church, and there's all this debate about the resurrection, and that we don't actually believe that people are going to rise one day because that sounds silly. And Paul actually, uh, it's believed, quotes an old Greek comedy play, basically, um, and so Paul writes to the first Corinthians or in, to the Corinthians in first Corinthians 15, 33, um, that bad company corrupts good morals. So basically if you hang out with, um, people where he says bad, but bad company, it's going to corrupt your morals. And so for the Corinthian people, what he's saying there is, man, you learn the gospel, you know, the truth of Jesus. And now you're hanging out with these people who say that what you believe is silly. And lo and behold, you find yourself starting to think that those beliefs are silly and you're straying from them. And so there is a, a real warning that you got to be careful of who you're spending all of your time with. Um, Paul talks about being unequally yoked um, with people too. And that certainly applies to a marriage where you want to be on the same page about Jesus with whoever you're married to, um, but also just being careful with our friends. Um, if I'm giving this person so much influence over my life and they're going to lead me away from Jesus in some sense, that is, I mean, that's eternal life and death matters. Um, that's not a small thing. Um, now, at the same time, if we only ever hung out with people who are Christians, um, nobody would ever become a Christian again because <laughs> there'd be no way to tell them the good news. As Paul also says in Romans, um, how can they um, believe unless they have heard? And so somebody needs to tell them. And so it's good to have non-Christian friends, um, but just also having that strong Christian community that you're spending the most time and influence with. Um, so you're able to then go and be a strong witness, um, not only in words, but also in how you live your life and your deeds, your actions um, towards those friends. 
And, and I'll say too, it's not too that you have non-Christian friends just so you can evangelize them. Like it's mm-hmm. great, obviously. Like, again, if we believe that this is the most important thing that you could ever hear um, as a Christian, if I love you, I'm going to bring it up. I think of how many times we have a friendship. They know way more about my fantasy football team than they know about Jesus Christ. Like that's a problem. Like if I'm willing to tell them all this other stuff, but I'm not willing to tell them the one thing that'll eternally save them, like, you know, but you do it tactfully. You do it when the, the occasion arises. Um, at the same time, I'm not just friends with you so you can evangelize. And as soon as I think, oh, you're not going to believe, all right, I'm done with you. Um, they're not a project in that sense. I can still love you just as my neighbor, as a friend. Um, but again, as a friend, if I love you, I'm going to also bear witness to the fact, like, when you ask me what I did this weekend, I'm not just going to tell you I watched nine hours of football on Sunday, which you should question whether that's the best use of time. Um, I'm also going to say, I know, I know. Um, I'm also oh going to say, hey, I went to church on Sunday and I heard this really great message, you know, so, yeah. Let's get, so, hey, what's wrong with watching nine hours of football on Sunday? As, as somebody who used to watch more than nine hours of football a week, I, uh, that's a whole nother, well, that's You're a, a recovering NFL addict. Yeah, and saying? I, still, <laughs> recovering is, yeah, not recovered, recovering. Um, ah, that's funny. Yeah, no, that's good. I want to go back to that later, but yes. Okay, yeah. sounds good. Um, yeah, and I think that, I think that it's important that we do have those friendships with non-believers so that um, if they do need something, that if they do need encouragement, if they do need love, if they do uh, have a question about Jesus, that you're there for them and that you could speak into their lives. Yeah. The last thing we wanted to cover as we talk about friendships is friendships with the opposite sex. Um, And obviously this has the, the context of this is if you're married. You know, yeah. so like obviously if you're single, um, you should have, hopefully you, you desire to be married and it's a good thing. If you don't, it's okay. Paul says singleness is good too. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I think in this context, we're talking about friendships with the opposite sex when you're already married. And I think I would just frame it like this. So I think we're in a culture today that wants to just think that this is just fine. Yeah. Okay. So it's all fine. Because I don't think we like a lot of restrictions, <laughs> you no. know. Um, but but we also hate infidelity too, and we have to realize, like you, from my research of infidelity, it doesn't just happen because somebody goes out to make it happen. Yeah. It usually happens because of this paradigm about friendship with the opposite sex, mm-hmm. and they don't have any boundaries or wisdom with it. So what we don't want to do is be naive about attraction. So if you're attracted to somebody, that's a real thing. Like God made that. And that's uh, usually a starting point. Also, we don't want to be naive to uh, spending a lot of time and really getting to know somebody and being tight with them and how that can affect your feelings, how that can affect your emotions. Mm -hmm. So um, what I would say is, you can be friends with the opposite sex, but it's also good to have wise boundaries so that you don't cause any uh, drama for their marriage or your marriage mm-hmm. um, because we believe in marriage and we want healthy marriages. And so there's two things I would say uh, that are helpful to be aware of is be aware of too frequent texting, a lot of frequent uh, contact, um, and then frequent time that you spend together. Um, I think you want to be mindful that that can create something inside of you or inside of them that maybe was unintended. 
Yeah. Um, and so the two words that I would use are frequent and familiar. You want to be frequent and familiar with your husband or your wife. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be frequent, too frequent and too familiar with somebody who's not your husband or your wife. Yeah. Um, and I think it would probably make your spouse uncomfortable if they knew you were going down that road. Oh, definitely. Well, I think especially for those who are married, you've made a commitment um, to this person and that comes with sacrifices. That means that you're not um, going to, you're going to treat him or her differently than you're going to treat any other guy or girl on the street or even a friend. Like you have a commitment to that. And so, yeah, you don't want to do anything that would cause um, doubt in their heart or questions. Um, at the same time, it's part of your witness. So this is true of married or single. Um, if, if the life you're living, even if let's say you're above board, quote unquote, um, gives a witness to the world that's suspect or questionable or would lead somebody to think, oh, he's not actually living out the life that he says he does or that the Christian church calls him to, um, that Jesus calls him to, um, that's not great either. And so um, just being aware of perception, well, perception is not everything. It is, it matters. Um, and then also, yeah, what are you, what situations are you putting yourself in? Um, sometimes we can, like you, I like how you use the word naive. Sometimes we naively think like, oh, I can, handle this. I can be in this situation or this won't go anywhere. Um, you got to be very smart about what am I stepping into? Um, what am I opening myself up to? Um, for instance, if I, let's say I'm trying to cut out sugar after 10 PM. I don't know. It's a very arbitrary, um, diet. I'm not actually on. I had sugar after 10 PM last night. Um, let's say that was the case. I would be foolish to go check the candy cabinet in my house at 10 15. Just like, I'm just going to go look, you know, just be smart about the situations you're putting yourself in, the, the witness it gives, and um, understand, again, you have a commitment to live holy in your relationship, your vocation, whether that's single or married, um, your sexuality, how you relate to the opposite sex. Um, God calls us all to something, and that matters. And so we want to put ourselves up, set ourselves up for success in that sense. No, it's very good. Very wise, PJ. Can I jump back to football? Yeah, jump back to football. Yeah, I want to jump back it's, to football. It's that time of year. Yeah, I, well, I figure most people in this town, uh, football is the biggest influence. I will say just in general, um, as we talk about friendship, um, it is absolutely important. We talked about this at the very beginning to, to sit down and think about priorities. Um, we inherit a lot of priorities from the world around us. Um, it is remarkable, and this is, uh, I'm very guilty of this, just how many things eat up our time and our attention. Um, I spend way more time um, scrolling through social media, vaguely glancing at friends' posts than I do praying for those friends or reaching out to them. Um, We all feel very busy and we all probably have way more time than we realize, Um, but time is ultimately a gift from God. And so we ask ourselves, how does God want me to steward this time? If we, you know, we just did Spotify wrapped. If you actually had like a wrapped of like you spent on average this many days or this many hours in a day doing this activity, I don't think many of us, myself included, would be very happy with the breakdown of how we spend our time. And the things that eat up time, we often would say, oh, that's not very important. And yet we, we do. So this is just my encouragement for all people um, to seriously reflect on what uses up your time, not just big chunks, but small chunks. Um, how often do you spend watching sports, scrolling through social media, binge watching Netflix? Um, is there some of that time that could be spent um, with your family, could be spent reaching out to a friend and meeting up with them. Um, again, sometimes this is hard decisions. You have to reflect, all right, is it better for our family, for our kid to be constantly gone for this sport, or is it better for them to be at home as a family or with other Christian kids, um, friends? And I'll say with Christian parents, 
Um, you should have a high influence on who your friends are, your kids' friends are. You can't control that completely, but who you put them in proximity with, who you organize play dates with, um, is a crucial. Again, not that they can't have non-Christian friends, but um, if you just leave it up to the whims, um, there's a lot of research that says for kids and children, their peers have more influence than their parents in their minds. Um, and if you're a parent, you know that because your parent, your kids probably at some point stop thinking you're cool and all their friends are cool and they want to be just like them. So think about that. Think about who's influencing your kids, how you can do that, who's influencing you, how you're spending your time. Um, it might mean you get a different phone that doesn't have internet access. It might mean that you say, I'm not, you know, I'm going to get rid of these things from my life so I can rededicate that time to reading scripture with my family, whatever. Um, as somebody who struggles wanting to use this time well, I just encourage everyone to take a hard look and really evaluate how do you spend this. Um, I have a feeling that we'd all have more time for friends if we reclaim some of that time that gets, for better, you know, lack of a better term, wasted. <clears throat> Thanks for letting me go on my little rant, Andrew. No, that was great. And it reminds me in closing here of a book that I actually just recommended to you um, that I recommend to others as well by Kerry Newoff called At Your Best. And in the book, he says, we all have the same amount of time. The question is, how do we use it? Yeah. And he says, the only thing that's different between you and others with time is when you're born and when you die. But other than that, we each get 24 hours in a day and we make decisions on how we will use those. Yeah. And I'll just add, sorry, one more thing on that. I heard a pastor recently who said, if you ever are struggling with time, say out loud what you're going to do. So um, if, uh, so let's say I'm a pastor and I know somebody's in the hospital and could use a visit or a call and I'm, you know, feel like, oh, I need to get a little bit more work done on my sermon. He suggests, say aloud, I'm going to spend 30 more minutes on this sermon and not go visit that person who could use spiritual care right now. And sometimes when you say that out loud, you're like, oh, that sounds really ridiculous. Like I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes scrolling on my phone instead of um, playing on the floor with my kids. When you say it out loud, wow, sometimes it sounds a little ridiculous. And again, I'm not saying maximize all your time. God calls us to rest a lot too, but just think about it. And sometimes when you actually acknowledge how you're spending it, uh, it can be eye-opening. I think if we get more intentional about our time, we will have more time for rejuvenation and restoration. Totally. And Sabbath. Yeah. Whereas if we don't, man, we're going to get consumed because we have not made any good intentional decisions with it. Yeah, because the world is a million things that will take your time. Absolutely. So if you've been blessed by this podcast today, we want to encourage you to share it with someone else. If you have a question for us to answer on this podcast, you could email hello at sjdenver.org. We're so grateful for, your, for you tuning in, and we hope you were encouraged today. Take care.